In this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, I'm joined by musician, a television and film composer, Rob Diggy. And me and Rob go way back in the industry a few years, man. She met through an organization named, named Roddy Centers of America. And um, just been always kind of, you know, keeping tabs with each other over the years, man. So it was a pleasure to have him on the podcast. You know, we talked about, you know, his his early days as a uh, guy that necessarily didn't know he wanted to do music until he ended up right before graduating high school, choosing to, to focus on music and ended up getting a scholarship to um, University of Arkansas Palm Bluff and there's a Hall of Famer there. And we then talked about him getting into the industry professionally, uh, being able to play piano, right? and be a real musician uh, and, and, and use his skill sets there. We're working with artists like Big E and remixes for Beyonce, things like that. And then we also talked about his transition into uh, film and TV scoring and and, and, composing, and composing. So it was a great episode. We also touched base a little bit on the business side of how he has to be prepared, how to get create success on the business side as a composer and what needs to be done guys so i hope you guys enjoyed this episode Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Encouraging Inspire podcast. It's episode number 68, and I'm joined by my good friend and colleague, my man Rob Diggy. How you doing, man? What's going on, D? How you feel, man? I'm good. good. I'm good. I'm good, man. And let me just say, Rob Diggy is a film and TV composer and a music producer, songwriter, all that type of deal. Uh, just want people to know what you do. <laughs> uh, so, no black mentioned that in the intro so uh i just want to make sure put that in there all right uh, um all right. yeah man uh, and i'm trying to think we connected so many years ago and i'm trying yeah. to think of, of how, how, I'm it, sure was we on, it was on facebook yeah 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 we have been connected on uh, it, was a a music, it was a music group but i can't remember which one it was yeah it might have been roddy sessions america I could have been, maybe not that. I don't remember what it is. So, you know Kevin Shine? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, so Roddy Sessions, yeah. Roddy Sessions America it had to be that. Right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Sure was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 sure was. yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry Roddy. about that. Yeah, I, forgot, all, what the name no, of, I forgot what the name of it was. No, it's all good. Yeah, man, he, look, uh, Kevin is doing his thing, man. I was a part of the early days of Roddy Sessions, you know, and he seemed to have figured it out now. <laughs> got yeah. it going. Got it going. So I'm happy for what he's doing. You know. Um, yeah, I'm not no longer in the in the organization, but I support it for sure. Yeah, uh, I support it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Cool. Yeah, man. So obviously, you know, you originally from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And um. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was, you know, you know, it's interesting. I am. Born in on Brooklyn, New York, raised in Orlando, Florida. I'm a Cub fan. Like, how how, how are you a Chicago Cub fan? <laughs> and I always tell I always tell people um, in Orlando in the late '90s, 
he only had four choices if you wanted if you liked baseball. So you can either follow the Sox, the Cubs, or the or the Braves. Wow. Yeah, because you had WGN. Yeah, and you, had T, and you had TBS. So Sammy Sosa at the time was playing for the Cubs. Yeah. So okay, I'm a Cub fan. <laughs> <laughs> a lot so, of people became Cubs fans. Cub fans when he uh started hitting those home runs. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I've, and I've only been to Chicago a couple of times. Actually, the artist that I manage is Xavier Keys. He actually he lives in Chicago, and so I was there. Um, the first time I went to Chicago was in 2016 when we, we were on our way to the Madem Conference in Con in Con France. But I was Con only there. France. I was only there for a short short time. Are you are you familiar with Madem? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've never I've never attended. Yeah, I, I, I've been a few different times. Um, they are revamping it now because what happened was Reed Madem sold. They they I don't think they sold the company, but they basically stopped. They basically had. Uh, stopped the conference, and then I think the city of Khan, I think they picked it back up, and they're whole, revamping the whole thing now. So it's they've changed it, mm-hmm. they've changed the whole situation now. So I'm not sure how it's going to be going forward. But um, at the time you went to meet them, I, I I enjoyed my time going. I went, I've been, I've been three times. Oh wow! Yeah, I've been, I've been, yeah, I've been three times. And then uh, I've been there physically three times, and then virtually during the pandemic, I think they had a virtual event in 2020, the 2020 or 2021. But um, oh, nice, yeah, Madem nice. was Madem was great. So um, so yes, yeah, so I've been to Chicago. Sure, and then I went back. I was in Chicago going back this past October because we were flying out to, to the Netherlands and it was cheaper to fly out to the Netherlands from Chicago than it was from Orlando. So I had a chance to spend a couple of days in Chicago. So, but, right, um, right, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cold. It's cold out there. The, 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 winter, <laughs> the winter times, the summers, but they say the summers are beautiful, but the winters can be a bit brutal. brutal. <laughs> Well, this year we've had a mild, um, a mild winter. You know, today was like forty something. So yeah, uh, this, all the rest of this week is gonna be in the forties. And for us, forties that's good. Yeah, we, we welcome that. You know, that's cool, man. That's cool. And I was reading on reading doing some research on you, man. You a graduate of University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. Yes, sir. And you are a Hall of Famer there. Yes, I'm a Hall of Famer. Um, at the university um, of media, out of media and entertainment. Oh, and nice. That's, a, big, that's a, a, a heck of an accomplishment because I I had a lot of peers, man, that were super great. Right. Now, they did give my one friend, they gave him the key to the city okay. and, this big plaque, and this big plaque in the city of Pine Bluff okay. for being like an outstanding musician. Mm-hmm. And his name is more. I have to mention him because he he thinks highly of me. Morris Hayes. Okay. You might not know. You might not know when I mentioned him. Uh, Morris Hayes um, was Prince's keyboard player for twenty years. Oh, nice. Okay. And, and we played in the same band. And 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 when I when I turned when I was eighteen when I went to college, we I, we found each other uh, at the university. Right. And 
the guys asked me to join that band and Morris was part of the band. So his career like took off after like maybe about three years of being in Pine Bluff. Mm-hmm. And he went on the road to, with Prince forever. So um, the city just honored him. Man, I think it was around 2021. Mm-hmm. They honored him and they gave him the key to the city and things like that. So him being a Hall of Fame member, well, you know, that in that respect uh, 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 of the city mm-hmm. and me being a part of the university, uh, and graduating as an alumni, um, holds high standard, you know, because um, I can go back to the school and talk to the kids about my time at, at UAPB. Um, a lot of them, let me tell you, as a side note, real, I don't get to talk about like school, you know, my interviews are more or less what I do as a composer. And that's cool. So I'm glad yeah, we, we'll that. get we'll get into that, man. But I, yeah, we'll I, get into that. I, I definitely I definitely want to hear about, you know, um yeah, yeah. Kind of, you, you come up, man, because I think I think yeah, people, but I, I like that man, that you say yeah. with the Arkansas thing, you know. Yeah, I think people need to know because everything starts somewhere, man. I mean, people, really people does, because you know, when you start in this business, you know, we all start as, you know, wanting to have a dream. And of and, and so you have to, you, the journey starts. Someone everybody's journey is different. So many times people focus. I think focus on the end result, but the journey is where you learn about yourself. Because I mean, the journey is the journey is 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 really that's that's the fun part. Because what happens when you get to the whatever your your end result is now what. You know, so yeah. it's like, you know, so you have to embrace the journey. I think in today's generation, everybody wants instant success. They want to, mm-hmm. they just want everything to come because that's just the generation we're in. You know, we're in that microwave social media, um, the oh, microwave yeah. social media generation where people just want quick, fast success. And Robbie, you, you and I both know that that's not the way it works, you know, no, especially. No, you, especially I, yeah, you have to be willing to put in the work. And so many people are not, they're not willing to put in the craft, the 10,000 hours per se, of what it is they're trying to do before they can really start to see success. And sometimes people who get early success think it's always going to be that easy. You know, sometimes, right. sometimes it, it could be, a, it, can, it cannot always be such a good thing to have early success because you think, it, oh, it's just easy to have, early success and then what happens when it's, it doesn't end up being that easy all the time right. you try to kind of question yourself it's like did I do something wrong nah, sometimes it just sometimes it just it's just the way it shakes out you know and you, and you just got to stick with it you know that's, that's at least that's what I believe no no you, you're absolutely right uh, this this generation is more of an instantaneous success they want it now mm-hmm. um, we back in the day Mm-hmm. I had to really grind out, you know, mm-hmm. there were record labels where you had to call. You couldn't just go online. And yeah, <laughs> you're right. You had to know the credits. You had to know, yeah, yeah. you had to yeah. study and know who people yeah. were. Because I think yeah. there was a time where obviously there were gatekeepers and there still is, there still is to a point, but there there is it, there isn't, you know, but there was a time where you had to know people. You had to, you had to be good. Actually, let's say that you had to be good to even get a shot to be in the game. I think oh, yeah. the, the oh, yeah. music, the music business, unfortunately now, music industry, unfortunately now, 
it's not even yours. You could have a huge song and nobody even know what you look like. You know, uh-huh. everybody is doing music now. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, pe- yeah. people know people's songs and they don't even know who that person looks like, but they know their song. There was, there, were, there was a time where that you had to be good. You had to really, because somebody had to take a chance on you because this person's good and they had to use their relationships just to get you in the door. And yeah. I think yeah. because of the internet, it's helped it. The internet has made it easier, but in terms of made it harder because uh, there's a lot more fluff now that you have to deal with. A lot more, a lot more people who really, honestly, I have no business being in the game, but because, right. but because they, because they can put out a record so easily, um, yeah. they think they can just because they have time. I say this all the time: just because you sing in church, does not uh-huh. mean you should be making records. Right. Just you know what I mean. Just because you have a talent to sing at karaoke, at a karaoke, that's when you should be making records. Because this is oh, no doubt. this no is doubt. a craft. No this is a craft that I think people, unfortunately to me, and this is just my personal opinion, I feel like music has become a hustle. I think people are using the game as a hustle, as a come up now, and <laughs> it's the wrong, it's the wrong mentality because yeah. it's so hard. There's a lot. There's there's way more easier things to do in life to make money. Than the music business, than the music industry, entertainment industry. Even though everybody wants to be in the entertainment, this is a hard industry to make a living in. You know, it, it, is. it really is. It really is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's to the point where if you're not uh, grounded and and understanding, you know what you have to do uh, as an artist, producer, or whatever, then mm-hmm. you know. And if it comes too fast for you, you're gonna lose it. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You got. You have to be. You have to be able to manage expectations, and you know, and we'll definitely get into that a little in a little bit, man. But I always like to start. Like, what's your earliest memories of music? I always like to ask my my music people when I have them on the podcast. Like, what do you remember, man? Is the earliest memories of of being introduced to music? Um, family, gotcha. um, uncles had a band called the Brotherhood, okay. and they and they played in the front room. Well, we sat, excuse me, we sat in the living room and we watched them play as uh, kids. I'm talking about as early as, uh, um, I think I could have been fourth grade, fourth fourth grade, fifth grade. Mm. And we used to watch them all the time. And um, that was the thing on Friday nights to anticipate the band coming over, you know, seeing all these cats dressing these uh uh, bell bottom pants and how these are stack shoes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and 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 with the Fender guitars and you know, and they and they had an older man out this world, man. These cats and they say the word funky, you know, but they were funky, <laughs> man, but they knew their music, you know, and so it turns out that um one day they left the equipment. At, up at my in my grandma's house because they had a show like say that night Saturday night, and we would go in the front and just start like everybody take an instrument and just start playing around on the instruments. Well, we didn't know that that was destiny, and that's what was happening to us for real until they called us, and my uncle was mad. Mama, you can't let these people, these boys, these boys be on our stuff. Leave those kids alone. Let them let them have fun. You know. And he was serious, but and they didn't want us there because we were kids. But right. not giving us an opportunity, we somehow they somehow said, "Well, 
they got together with my uncle and decided that we want we needed equipment. Yeah. So my aunt went out, my mother, my grandmother, they all pulled together and they went out and bought musical equipment. They bought drums, they bought guitars, they bought amps. And that that's what that's what the start of it was, and not knowing that I would be the one to take this further, you know. Right. And I wasn't really looking at that time, honestly, I wasn't even looking to have a career doing music stuff. I was just a kid having fun playing music, you know, uh, playing the guitar. And I was I wasn't all that great as a kid, you know. I was still learning, you know. Right. And so um as time went on, I joined um the the beginners band at at high school and I played trombone. Okay. I joined the band and I beginners band, but I didn't want to stay in the band. I just felt like, you know, there's something to do. I'll just do it, you know, because I'm here. You know, and it and I started liking it. And then I think by my junior year, I think it was my junior year, I had an issue with the band director. Mm, okay. He I would sit on the sidelines and wouldn't take my horn out. Robert, take your horn out. Um, I don't feel like playing today. <laughs> mm. You know, so um, he called my mama and my and my father. That was the only time that my parents had come come up to the school. The right. only. And he said, well, "What's the problem? What's the problem? Why you don't want to, you know, be in the band?" I said, "I don't want to be in the band anymore." You know, and he somehow talked to my mother and father. My mother and father talked to me. And I was back in the band, like, same friends the next day, you know. And from there, it, it must have been something special about him. And him is Mr. Delano O'Banion, who's my high school band director, who I love dearly. Oh, excuse me again, sir. But um, he he pretty much encouraged me to to stick with it because right. I didn't I, I didn't I didn't want to do it anymore. You know, so um, later on, I stopped playing guitar and trombone. So if we did a show, if the if the high school band did a show, and and it calls for two entities, then I would be in a marching band for for the first half of the show, and then jazz band would come up, and I would be playing guitar. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, and, mm -hmm. and still not knowing that that's what I want to do. So I went downstairs one one evening after school. To join the football team, mm, yeah. <laughs> I said, "Man, this is this is it." Because I started feeling some kind of way because all my friends were either musicians or football players. Okay. In the neighborhood, you well, you had musicians, football players, thugs, and just the nomads. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, I mean, I'm keeping it real. You know, nah, keep and it so, real, man. and so, um, I um, I went down to the to the football meeting. And they were, he was looking for me. Mr. O'Banion was looking for me. So where's Rob? He's supposed to be up here rehearsing, you know. Mm -hmm. Looked all over the building. Found me in, in, in the, one of the rooms. And the mm -hmm. football coach was down to give one of those, you know, those speeches, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can win. You can do it. You know, nobody, nobody in, that, in that football class ever became pros. Right. They wind up having babies. Uh, a lot of them are dead. Honestly, yeah. uh, Drugged out, 
Right. You know, and I'm not mocking it. I might make it fun of anybody. I'm just saying. No, life, you keep it, you keep it weird, happened. Life yeah. happened the way it happened for them. So I'm thinking, had I joined the football team, where would I be now? Exactly. And would I be, would I be working a job at Drew somewhere, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, at the department store, you know, Walmart or something like that. But yeah. um, he came down and he said, son, what are you doing? You, you, I said, I'm going to join the football team. Son, you can't wear both hats. Right. <laughs> Come on, man. I don't want to be up there. I want to join the football team, you know? And I guess it was, in fact, growing up stage. Now, of course, the next day I was back upstairs in the band. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the rest is history. And I wound up getting a four-year scholarship, which I wouldn't have gotten a scholarship in football. I wouldn't have gotten it. I wouldn't. Right. I didn't know my potential. I, I don't even think I would have probably even started. Right. You know, because I was I was a small guy in, in high school, so I don't right. think I would have even started. So, uh, Mr. O'Banion, once again, he came through and he 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 decided that I should be upstairs, and that's why I went <laughs> back to the oh, music room. Oh man, well, like I said, man, I think everything you know happens for a reason, and you know. Then when you're young, you want to do what the cool kids do. For I be about playing football, I'm gonna play football. You know, but then you all, want to be cool. But then you also, but then you understood. You know, then your teacher understood. You know, you can't, you can't wear both hats because each one of those requires two different sacrifices. You know, yeah, man, they got all the girls too. You know, <laughs> right? Nah, because back then that's what it was. You wanted, you wanted to be. You wanted to be with the chick. You, know, you know? With the cool kids, yeah. And that's what it is, man. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. That's I would say that's pretty much what most, you know, kid, you know, young teenagers want to do at that age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Sure. So nah, that's what's up, man. That's what's up. So you obviously do that. You, you end up going to college. And what so what was the what was the goal for you? Upon finishing school, like what was what was your goal? Like, what, what did you know you wanted to go into music professionally at that point? I didn't have a goal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't have a goal. I was just in school. I knew yeah. I wanted to finish college, right. but I didn't have a a goal to do music. You get what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, I didn't. It wasn't till later, later, later that it was, it became a and thing I, that I could do this. But in college, man, I was just Having fun like everybody else. I mean, I, I majored in communications, but even majoring in communications coming out of school, the jobs weren't available because and being in the South is one thing, but being in Chicago at Columbia College, where all the, the, the internships would start, you right. can go right from Columbia College and get a job at ABC or right. CBS or CBC. So when I applied for those jobs, they all said, oh, come back next time, you know, right. and you'll be okay and whatever. So I just, I took a job at a, at a music store and paid me some good money to, 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 to library, stock library music and things like that. And um, I, I met a lot of people at that music store. I right. met a lot of people. Okay. I mean, a lot of the pros would come through there. Um, and so, but in college, I didn't have a, a goal. Gotcha. To do music, I but I did. Excuse me, I did hone my skills by cutting class a lot and going into the piano room. Okay, we had you know we had about ten piano rooms uh, with an upright, and I would go in there and they sounded so good. 
And I would go in those one of those rooms because uh, they were using them for practice rooms, like for, you know, orchestra band people. But I would find an empty one for music and just go in there and learn how to play piano. Mm-hmm. Just messing around with the keys or whatever. Um, that was one thing. And of course, I, I did practice my horn because that was most important. That's why I was there to practice my horn. Mm-hmm. But I cut a lot of class just to go in those rooms. Or even if, if I didn't have a class, I would go over to the music room and, and learn. But wasn't a goal to say, let's become famous, let's become a musician. Mm-hmm. I had no, I didn't, I didn't, that wasn't a, that was far from way far from my mind. Right, right. <laughs> all, all I knew was this, I was in school having a good time, you know, partying, you know, like everybody else. Exactly. You know, and so uh that didn't happen until I got out of school. Yeah. So Okay. Yeah. So speaking of that, like when did you kind of when was it when was that 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 time when you knew like, okay, I'm ready to take this thing seriously. I'm ready to be like, I'm ready to I feel like I can do this as a career. You know, when when did you feel like that was that was I might I'm, I might lose you for a second. My television, my monitor is acting crazy. If it goes off, I'll just click it back on. Is it okay? Yeah, it's fine. You yeah. still hear me. You I can see. hear you. I can hear you. No, I can hear you. I see you too. Okay. I still yeah. see. So, yeah. um, so what was the question again? I'm sorry. When did I? I, know, I was saying so. So once you figured out, obviously you said you you didn't actually have a goal in school and music as a career didn't come till later on after that. But when did you kind of when did you kind of see like, man, I can I'm ready to take this music music thing seriously. I'm ready to do this as a career. Um, I I, I joined a group of guys. Uh, they had a loft. Okay. Uh, they had a, a loft, and they. And they had different music rooms and things. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was in that particular loft that I started discovering who I was mm-hmm. as a musician, real talk. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was playing on, since I was playing piano, yeah, I was playing on all these records for different people. Mm-hmm. I'm playing on, you know, Beyonce record here. I'm mm-hmm. playing on the Mary J. Blige record over here. Mm-hmm. You know, doing all these different records, but I, I I think during that time, early 90s, around 95, 94, 95, is when I started understanding that I could make a little bit more money doing this, you know. Yeah. And my first remix was Michael Jackson uh, and Biggie, which was called um, Hold On Me. Okay. It was a promo- I don't know if you remember, it was a promotional record. And it's on his eyes on the on the the uh, album of the um I can't think of the album, but well Teddy Riley produced that album. But anyway, but they wind up they wind up they wind, they wind up giving me a, a plaque for pretty much a, a promotional, which they weren't supposed to do. <laughs> but <laughs> nice. that's that's off to my team that that makes my plaques, uh Michael Goldstein and Jackie Goldstein um over at um yeah, I, I see a few in the background. You know, I, yeah. I see a few on the wall, man. That's cool. Yeah, DJ Gold makes those plaques. So, um, but yeah, I think around nineties and stuff like that, it was a situation where I I said to myself, "Let's let's try this. Let's see what happens." Right. Let's, let's see what happens, and um, I I just kind of branched off and said I didn't want to be a beat maker the rest of my life. You know, I didn't. I don't like the term beat maker anyway. Right. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't want to do that. So I discovered in one of the lofts and one of the rooms 
somebody was in there making a, a film. And I said, oh, I bet you I could put music to that. Mm -hmm. So, oh, yeah, we'll bring your stuff in. So I go down to the hall and get my stuff and bring it back to their room. And I find myself scoring this movie, not knowing what I was doing. Mm. But I knew I could play piano well. And let's try it. And before long, I was, so I jumped in. And the first movie is called uh, Trust. P-R-U-S-T, it's on Tubi. It's a low-budget film. Um, gotcha. It's real. It's really low budget to the point where it's grainy because it was on VCR, I think, at the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they tried to transfer it, boy, and that quality is just terrible. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't really trust. And yes. then I think after the first movie, I started feeling like, hey, this is something. I, I can make something. I can do this. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So you decided, yeah, you didn't want to. And I like how you, I remember, like, how you said the term beat maker because I think. There's a difference between making beats and producing records. Yes. And, you know, yes. a lot of people don't know the difference. Like, and unfortunately, in hip-hop, that's really the word, only time you hear the word producing. I mean, I'm sorry, beat making. Because, you know, because you don't have to be the beat make. You don't have to make the track at all physically to be considered a producer on the record, you know? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people got to understand what the difference is between a beat maker and a producer. Yeah. And, you know, producers so that, that administers the record, you know, hires the players and do all those things and, and administers the whole record, you know, and it makes it all come together. You know, a lot of yeah. times people just don't understand the difference, you know, between somebody can just make a beat, but they don't necessarily control what goes on top of that track. They just make the beat, they give it, and they give it to somebody else. And, they're, and they're, that's a beat maker, you know, versus somebody who actually makes the whole record. Quincy Jones is a producer, Tremaine Dupree producer. These guys, they make the whole record. You know what I mean? They from, from start to finish. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, but, but they don't, they don't, they beat make too. You know, yeah, they Jermaine do. Dupree, Jermaine Dupree is not a piano player. He's a nah. he's tapper. He's a tapper. Oh, Once yeah, yeah. Comes, we're not going to get into him because he's old school. He writes his out. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. A lot of these cats are tappers. And my friend was like the other day, he's like, man, you better than Kanye. I'm like, no, it's a difference. Yeah. Kanye has a gift. He's a special gift person exactly. where he can sample, but he can't play. Right. So I'm gonna tell you, I, I had a guy I worked with for years. He paid me to replay the sample. Oh, yeah, because that because one, so they can save money. Can do if you can, if you can replay it, it sound like the sample. No one's gonna know that, and you save your money because you don't want if that song becomes big, you ain't gonna make no money because the publisher gonna take the sample. They gonna they gonna take all the publishing anyway. So. So yeah. you so you're better off saying hiring somebody like you that can play it or it sound yeah. just like the sample and nobody know. We 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 got away with it a lot of times. <laughs> uh, he got in trouble with, with with Parliament Funkadelic, and that was the last time he said, "Uh uh, I'm gonna bring my man in." So we started playing these records that had a lot of intricate parts, and instead of him, um, you know, like I said, getting the record, he would just get me, and I would just re re replicate it, and that would go. Yeah, I mean, like, and that's just—I mean, that's just a smart way to handle it, you know what I mean? Because sample clearance can be very, very, very expensive, and sometimes, you know, and also too, whoever owns whoever owns the publisher on that sample, they can decide if the song even comes out. They can say no. That's because you want to use the sample doesn't mean people gonna say you can use it. Right. You know. Right, you know what right. I mean? So, so <laughs> that's what we did back in the day. 
Cool. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. So, you know, um, so film, so let's get it there. So film composer, man. So obviously that's kind of been the shift that you've, that you've made. And yes. I think it's become really, really lucrative for you. Um, yes. Into, into film composing, man. Um, I did some research on you and they, and I was reading an article and they said that um, you're known as the sixth man of music. Yeah, because of your, cine- your cinematic compositions and movie scores, you have a very unique style to to score in films. Uh, so you know, so so talk to me about talk to you about that style, man, and you being compared that someone could say you were compared to uh, Brian Tyler and Hans Zimmer, which is obviously really great, really major names in the film scoring world. Because there's a difference between and we'll get into this in a minute. Actually, we'll get into that in a minute. But go ahead and answer those that. Go ahead and talk to you about that. Well, well, I was named, I, I looked at it. My friend, like, his name is Randy. And he was talking to me about how uh, some people, like in the NBA, would come off the bench as a six, as a six man. Mm-hmm. And they would win a six man award. That's mm-hmm. not to say that. That's not the first. I mean, like, you go to my one through six. But mm-hmm. in my case, meaning first, but the six man, because I could come in and get you 40 or 50 points off the bench, mm-hmm. finish the game, and and you we win it. So yeah. um, I, he always looked at me like that because he knew that that I could I could come through with the job. So he said, "I'm start calling you. You the six man of music, man." So and and it, and it made sense, and I like it. It's, it it is stuck kind of sort of. So um, when I'm scoring, and I try to like sure my clients that I got you, I got you. I'm I'm like Jordan or Kobe. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, when I take my break, I'm going to come back and get you 40 or 50. Easy. Right. I love it. I love it. Easy. <laughs> I love I'm, that. I'm going make, I'm, I'm to make you happy. I'm going to make you want to work with me again. All of that good stuff, you know? Right. Right. Now, that's awesome. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's awesome, man. So, obviously, you work, you've worked on a lot of projects. A lot of projects. Yeah, a, lot of a lot of TV film and, and TV show and film projects. Uh, I know you worked worked on Carl Weber's Family Business. That's yes, one of the sir. Most, yeah, done a lot of things. I was on your IMDb. There's too many to name. Like I literally was on your IMDb. <laughs> you worked on so many of them. Hey man, um, I just, hey man, I'm just so happy about this Family Business. I looked in the mail today, and the income tax statement came. I'm like, oh lord. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll get it situated. You know, yeah. I have my next person to do it and everything. Yeah. But yeah, Family Business was. Uh, definitely a, a, a treat, I would say. For sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, ten episodes. Um, I'll tell you a, a backstory. Um, I got the gig. Hey, hey before before you do that, before you do that, let me see. So. You guys were back, so we took a little small break. Had to handle some uh, technical difficulties, but we're back. So. Yeah, man, Rep, so you were talking about, we were talking about the small, the, the work on BT's, um, um, the business, uh, Carl Weber's family business. Yeah. Uh, you're going to tell me, you're going to tell a backstory on that. Yeah, I, um, a couple things. I was, um, was on home chilling, you know, and I, I, I see my phone rings and it was a, a eight one, 
213-818-218, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And when you say 818, I normally know that it's business. Okay. You know, I calling for business because it's LA. Yeah. Or three is business, you know. Right, right. Ball rings, person hangs up. But they call on my Google number. Okay. Um, and I say, well, who could this be? So I called the number back. And the guy he told me, he said, I'm from the family, you know, I'm, I'm Trey Haley, director of the family business. Um, want to know if you're interested in scoring. First off, are you busy? I'm like, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we, he proceeded to talk to me about the episodes and things like that and the timeline in which they needed it done. I guess I misunderstood him. Okay. So I thought he meant like episode per week, but he was going to send me two episodes in the same week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he needed one episode in like two days. Mm-hmm. So that meant the other episode had to be done in the other two days. So you only mm-hmm. have four days. Much. Well, you got a week to do two episodes. You got five days to do two episodes. Okay, so let, let, let's break that down. What does that mean for people who don't understand what that means? Quickly. So you, you don't, you don't got to go, yeah, just quickly kind of, how, how does that, what is that process like? Yeah, so 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 you get you get two episodes a week, and and it's like forty about forty minutes, forty three minutes, roughly forty one to forty three minutes an episode. So me giving you know sent uh, two a week, I'm thinking I had all week to do one. He said, "Oh no, no, got to be finished with one in a couple of days, and the next one in a couple of days." <laughs> wow. So you have these episodes have to be turned in, okay. and once you turn them in, um, you know they approve them and everything. But um, I lost, and other part stories, I lost um, <laughs> an episode. Oh no! I think it was like episode seven. I think I lost a whole. I lost everything. But luckily, mm. I had I had sent him already a copy of the stem already. Hmm. I was able to just drop it back on the timeline and then cut and see where I where I needed to score at and just re- replay everything. Okay. And, re- and then the first, <laughs> uh-oh, let me cut this off. Yeah. So, so when I get a call, when I get a call, what do I do? Just hit the deny? Yeah, yeah, deny it. Just ignore it, yeah. Okay, hopefully I'll catch it because it may ring again. Yes. Um, I'll try to catch as quick as I can. But okay. anyway, I wind up losing the episodes, but I got it back. All all was was, was well, and I uh, wind up getting 10 episodes done early. I finished early. Okay. Uh, they were able to go for it and uh, use them, and uh, here I am now, hopefully getting going to season five. That's wonderful. So I will see that was in season one? That was season five. Uh, that was season four. I did. Oh, okay, got you. So like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Awesome, yeah. man. Awesome. Four, and so hopefully they'll bring me back to five. You know, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, and so talk to me about that, man. So like, how does that? So after you after you do a season, like, is it? It's just perhaps a you're you're not necessarily signing an agreement, like, and we haven't really. I want to get into the business side of it, and um. You know, a little bit. In fact, that's what we'll do. We'll, we'll wait on it. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, what I wanted to ask was, what's what's been your favorite project to work on? 
as far as uh, film scoring and you know and TV as far as scoring goes. Um, I would say I would say hello. Can you? I would, I would say the, the family business. Okay. Okay. The family and I did I did a thing over in Dubai called the Gandhi Murder. Okay. That was, that was really huge. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. You know, and I had I had a lot of fun scoring that, you know. Wonderful. And, uh, wonderful. Wonderful. What what would you say is the most challenging product you worked on if if you had one? It's one that really challenged you. Family business. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Hey, they both this hey. Um, sometimes it's like that. <laughs> but I want to go back to what you said about like Terrence Blanchard and, and, and those guys. Um my style is not like theirs, but I just try to learn from them. Gotcha. Okay. I've learned. I've learned how they get in these characters' heads and 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 have to score. Mm -hmm. uh, Brian Tyler and Hans Zimmer are my favorites as well. Mm -hmm. um, I've learned a lot of cinematic um, scoring from them. Okay. Uh, uh, hybrid, I should say, hybrid cinematic scoring, uh, where they use a lot of violins that may be affected like with a trombone or something they like mute a mutant sound so to speak you gotcha. know and, and i use those sounds so um and and i've invested a lot of money to sound really good so uh if you have to ask me about any challenges or things that, or favorite projects it would have to be the family business because i i invested so much money into like sound that mm -hmm. i got to use a lot of that stuff on the family business, like brand new stuff, stuff that was coming out that week that I was working, I would go and buy it because I wanted to have that that's the sound. Gotcha. You know, you know, so yeah, that's why I, I wanted to point that out, you know. No, I love that. I love that. Thank you for pointing it out for sure. Mm -hmm. Um so let's let's talk, let's talk about the business side of of what is it you do, man. So so what would you say did you see some of the most common mistakes that are made, I guess, in negotiation of how you get paid. So, like, let's talk about that, uh, the business right. side of it, because I think a lot of times it's creatives. Creatives, they love to create, but it's like then handling the business side of it. Sometimes can <laughs> not, be, not handling the business. Yeah, exactly, because in creatives, creative people, just I know this from being a consultant and working with artists, is that they don't really like to, one, they don't like to sell, you know, two, they just don't like to do the business because their brain works very differently than somebody. They rather have somebody go chase their money to chase the money for. You know yeah. what I mean? Versus yeah. they just want to be able to create. So, but I also think there are some creatives and people that like to handle their own business. And you know, just, I'm 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 one. I'm like that. I like to handle my own business. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you know, you know so. but when you're talking about the business side of things, the only thing that from from my end and my perspective of it, mm -hmm. I'll just you know keep it kind of mm -hmm. easy that mm -hmm. people kind of get it is that when I'm working with an artist, um, if it's a song that we're doing for a film, say so to speak, mm -hmm. um, I would ask them the ultimate question: What? Who's your pro? What's your who's who's your pro with? Mm -hmm. A lot of times I get what's that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yep, I get that a lot of. Yep, I get that a lot that's of times. Yeah, you know, so I get the what's the what's a, what's a pro? Then um, with 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 uh having a song placed in a film, uh, you have to have that, and also at the when they're filling out 
what you call we call a cue sheet. Yep. You have to have a cue sheet for the film um, to, in order for you to get paid. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a timesheet. Yeah, definitely, definitely. With all these numbers with music on it, so um, that I don't now. I've I've talked to my people, my artists, and anybody that I work with. I'm not gonna work with you or put your name in. I'm not gonna put your song in this film unless you have a pro. No, you have to. I mean, that, and by the way, to. and for us, you guys don't understand. Pro means performing rights organization, or to be called a performing rights society. Same thing here in America. Yeah, ASCAP or BMI. Yeah, it's ASCAP, BMI, or CSAC. Uh, CSAC, you have to be invited to. Ask after BMI, you can sign up for. Uh, um, yeah, but you have to have that. You have to have yep. that for sure. That you is, have to. You have that to. Is, so, yeah. I off the bat, D, that they have to have this, or unless I can't put your song um, in, in the film, you know. So, this one lady, she went out like the next day, called Ask App. <laughs> <laughs> Her song is now in the film. The right take the right way, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So she went on and did it, but um, and she's been so hyped up now, she's trying to get other songs, you know, placed. And I said, that's good. That's hungry. A lot yeah. of people don't think that way. Um, but yeah, business for me is just really simple. The contracts are really simple. Okay. You know, of course. Uh, hold on. I want to say, so what we're doing now? What are we doing now? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm, I'm, this Apple phone is acting crazy today. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. You know, but but uh, but no. Um, it's just real simple. My contracts are just basic. Uh, turn the music in, sign the contract. Um, this is what you're gonna get paid with, with your back end. And in some cases, you don't even get. I don't even get front end money. Yeah. You know, I did a film here for Christmas. It's on BT Plus right now. But way before in January, the guy told me. Hey man, um, I got some slots for some music, mm -hmm. but there's no front end. Yeah. Uh, are you still interested? Yes, because yeah. I know the gamble and the roll of the dice of that. Yeah. Okay, you don't pay me now, but I may see, you know, eight hundred dollars later or a thousand dollars later. Yeah. Or you can do what they call a step deal, where you know where you know if the if the film makes money later. You can put it in your agreement. So you want to break that down, what a step deal is? Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. But but I kind of understand if, yeah. if you didn't get paid uh, in the front end, you can do increment deals and in, in, increment yeah. money. So from what yeah. I understand is what a step deal, basically, let's say the person, let's say the music supervisor doesn't have any money. There's no budget for money to pay, the, pay. But they can say, hey, if this film makes money in the future, we can then negotiate a deal. Later to, to 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 pay you. So a lot of times you can do, uh, and I learned this from my mentor Michelle Vice Maslin, who is she's out in L.A. She's a veteran in the music business, and I had five thousand over five thousand placements in film and TV and ads all that type of deal. So she she teaches courses on this topic and about you know and she said so sometimes that's an option because as a new as a new songwriter producer it might benefit you to just get a credit just so you get your name in certain things sometimes it's not always about um, sometimes where people, a lot of people make mistakes in our industry it's not always about a transaction i think we don't really understand that we can't sometimes it's about i need just to get in the game Man, and I worry about the, you know and i worry about the transaction later 
You worry about the money. Sometimes it makes sense. Let me just get in the game because somebody might hear my stuff and I could create other opportunities later. And that's how you have to, I think that's how you have to approach this whole entertainment thing. It's not always, but you can't always leave with a dollar because you will take yourself out of situations when you do that. Man, I, I just the other night, I made a phone call. Hey, bro. Hey, I'm trying to submit some songs, you know, to my guy. Now, my guy's a Grammy one with mm-hmm. Jennifer Hudson. Mm-hmm. Got a time with her. So I'm like, yo, he called me. He said, hey, Rob, I got a little situation. I need some songs. I was like, all right, cool, cool. Let me let me get them to you. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see if I can get a vocalist attached, you know. Mm-hmm. Do that. Call the guy. First thing he leaves with, with what's to pay? Mm. I can't look, bro. And I, I kind of was like silent for a minute. And I'm like, well, it's really no pay. I'm not even getting paid. I'm, yeah. I didn't even get paid on the Christmas movie. I told him, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I don't. I, I just don't like you say. When you leave with the dollar, then that's all. I said you may just get that, and that's that's all you're gonna get. You may not get any other recognition. I said you have to kind of build that yourself, and they don't understand that part. So it's hard, man. It's like, dang, I need to take some singing lessons and and just do my own stuff. You know, yeah, I mean, uh, people don't understand sometimes, you know, they just don't, people are so, again, I'm not saying I to get paid. I don't mean to be saying I get paid. But what we're saying in this business, first of all, everybody does stuff for free. Everybody, I tell you they do it, but they do it because of the opportunity that can lead to later on. And that's how you have to approach this business, you know. Everything does. Unfortunately, everything not attached to a check because certain things you want to build relationships with, and that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing in our industry. Is I always leave with the relationship first because if you just do one officer where you get paid, there's no relationship there. What happens in five years? When you, you know, I might be able to go to you in five years because we've been doing, we have a relationship versus it being oh a one off deal one time, and well, that yeah. doesn't it doesn't really do you in the, in our industry a one off deal. It's cool for the moment, but it doesn't really do you anything long term because we can't go back and compete working together later on. So I think people who don't get that part of it oftentimes put themselves in oh, in, yeah. in situations where they don't get to win long term because they're always worried about the dollar first. And in this business, you can't always worry about the dollar first, unfortunately. Well, I would say fortunately and unfortunately. Yeah, it's, it's to, a double, it's double-sided, double-sided. Yeah, sport, you, have, you, know? you have to, you have to, you have to gauge the situation, and sometimes the situation, you know, it's like it's like a, it's that's how I would equivalate it to. Like, let's say you're a photographer, and you want to get your name out there, and someone say, "Hey, well, look, I got tickets to the, you go to the Grammy, and I can't pay you to get there, you know what I mean? But I get mm-hmm. you, a, I get you a press pass on this on the red carpet." Mm. You know what I mean? You're not gonna get paid to do the photos, but you get a chance to get on there to create some opportunities and relations for you. Are you oh, not? Yeah. Gonna, you're not gonna take that opportunity because it wasn't a, ta- a check wasn't attached to it. You know uh-huh. what I mean? So people don't people have yeah. to look at it from that perspective. Like sometimes you have to do things like that because the opportunity may lead to something later on, and we don't know what it's gonna pay off. Sometimes you don't know when that free opportunity you took is gonna pay off. There's no way to know that, but. You have to sometimes take a chance because that's just the nature of our business. If you're trying to get rich in the entertainment business, you might want to get out. 
because it's <laughs> in the industry. You know, it's not, unless you, uh, as a songwriter composer, unless you have a catalog. But you, what you're seeing now is you see a lot of a lot of a lot of songwriters and producers are selling are selling their catalogs to these big hedge funds. Mm-hmm. You know, have you, you know, so because what's happening is they understand this, how the, the streaming game has changed everything. So they almost want to cash in on their retirement early, or they want to start a new venture or something. So they'll give me my like, for instance, Justin Timberlake just sold Justin Bieber just sold his catalog for like. Two hundred million, you know what I mean. So I mean, so again, that only everybody and everybody can't sell their catalogs for that large of a price because your catalog has to be worth. The catalog has to be worth something first and foremost Mm -hmm. for somebody to even want to buy it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Has to be worth something. So I think you know, yeah. So I think that's a a major thing. Um, That's cool. Yeah, another thing I wanted to talk about was. Uh, um, like I said, understanding. And I'll, I'll say this: um, How does T? How, how do you? How do you think t- film and TV composing differ from just getting sync placements? Like, is there a d- you know versus versus just somebody just syncing a song to a a film versus composing for the film? I think it's two different processes, right? Oh, it, it, it's, it's it's definitely uh, television. You know, it's a and film is totally different. You're writing for the long haul. Mm-hmm. You know, for television, you're writing for the short haul. For film, for film, film, you're writing for the long haul. For television, you're writing for the short. You mm-hmm. know, like say you're only scoring 43 minutes. And mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you something. In that 43 minutes, you may have from front to back to score. Okay. You may just have 43 minutes. Well, with film, you can, it could be an hour and some change film, but mm-hmm. You can only like they might have you only score the first half, and the mm. first thirty minutes may just be a dialogue and just mm. very light music, mm-hmm. you know. In terms of placements, I haven't had a whole lot of placements. Um, probably, well, television. Well, I well I'll put it this way: I tried to <laughs> get some music on the family business. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, nah, we we got it, we got. It. <laughs> <laughs> we got it we got it because i know that that would have been another check you know what i'm saying uh, got you got you <laughs> so, uh, i couldn't work that angle so i was cool but um i've been doing some spec commercials and stuff like that for okay. a company here uh called slang music group okay. and this guy sends me over briefs and okay. uh they they've chosen one of my my briefs i mean one of my songs but I guess I'll call the guy back today and find out where they are in terms of um, it's for Bitarvi, some HIV stuff. But I know mm-hmm. that's that's co- commercial television versus you know television versus film. So mm-hmm. there there is a a, a significant kind of like uh, what you want to call it a, a gap. Well, I mean identity where you can you know what film music is and you know what TV music is. It moves a little differently. Uh, you got commercials in between television, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, with film, it goes straight through. Now, when I was doing the family business, he says, well, make sure you put a tag on this because we're going to be breaking. Because when it, when this goes over to another network, they all know that it's going to be breaking for a commercial. Like, for instance, I think you mentioned BET in the commercials. Was that mm-hmm. true? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, I'm going to be, I've tagged those already. So when they like da da da, so mm-hmm. when it when it goes off for that 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 episode that for break, 
mm-hmm. it's already there, and then it goes into the commercial. Right. So it's already set. So what 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 that'll be for television, but for film, we'll have to do that. We'll have to add tags. That's good. Straight on through, you know. Cool. So that's, that's some of the difference, yeah. Cool, man. Cool, man. So yeah, so I just wanna um I wanna end the episode talking about like what you have coming up next, man. What what do you what do you have in the pipeline? Man, uh, I don't even know, man. Every time I look around, man, I'd be having projects, but I'll be remembering. I can't tell you everything. All I can tell you, I got this one project um, I'm doing right now called Lipstick. Okay. It's a, it's a uh, a thriller. Nice. It's a thriller. I just finished a uh, horror film. I've never done horror before. It's oh, wow. Called, uh, the Unseen. And it was selected out of uh, Cannes, uh, France. Okay. And um, they're going to be doing, they got a distributor that picked it up. Um and I, I did see my name on IMDb connected to it. So I'm like, that's good. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I got a project with Howard Hewitt coming up. Um, Shout out to Howard I'll Hewitt. See, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll see him tomorrow, as a matter of fact, um, at the uh, concert. Um, he's doing. He's at the City Winery. So he invited yeah. me out. So I'll see him. And um, I'm going to be calling him in a little bit, too, to get the plus ones and stuff set up. And um, nice. I got a project. I'm doing a political project uh out of LA called um go the golden hearted um the Diane Watson documentary Diane Watson was a uh congressional woman um back in the early 80s um yeah. 90 night early 80s 90s um and she was a political figure where she um stood her ground for civil rights and things like that right and so um we we I'm just about done with that Probably about another week. Danny Glover is doing the um, the, the narration. Really my nice. cousin, my cousin Frank Underwood, who's the brother of Blair Underwood, nice. is doing is doing the. He wrote the narration, okay. and and I and Howard and I are doing music for it. So, um, yeah, and I'm doing a little, little short film thingy. So I don't know. I got so much going on. Hey man, <laughs> uh, hey it, man, that is awesome, man. Um, where can people find before we get out of here, man? Where can the people find you? How can they connect with you online? What's the best way for people to to connect? Um, you? I, I like uh, I like connecting on Instagram a lot. Okay, I, I love Instagram, man. I love it, man. Okay. My timeline, my timeline used to be full of big booty women, man. But now <laughs> I, I realize the importance of making of making a living for myself. So now my timeline is health and wellness. Uh, and a lot of the people that's in the business, the, the directors, Grammy mm-hmm. winners. I just had a guy, uh, Kit Waitley, I think that's his last name. Just hope I don't get, get mad at me saying his name wrong. But he just won a Grammy the other day, and he was showing it off and everything. And I congratulated him. He came on my page and was like, I'm going to stalk your page every day now. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mainly because of my content. I have some pretty good content, so... um. Yeah, so Rob Diggy, uh, it's uh, under for Instagram, but it's composer, the number four films with a Z. But okay. I would just say Rob Diggy. Or okay. if you Google me, if you Google Rob Diggy, it all comes up. Wonderful, wonderful, man. Rob, it's been a mm-hmm. pleasure to have you as a guest today on my podcast, uh, the Encourages by our podcast. Until next time, guys, it's your host, Terrell Peart. I'm out of here. Peace. Peace.